Greetings and welcome to the Business Sense with Brad podcast. As always, you can find out more information about the blog or the book, The Motivated Worker, at businesssensewithbrad.com. This interview will be a little bit different than my previous interviews or episodes in that I am actually being interviewed, and in this case, it's the Cadillac, Michigan Area Chamber of Commerce. This is from January 25th, 2022, and on this episode, we're going to talk about labor participation and employee morale, and we'll even talk about some old school Abraham Maslow, but we're going to talk about morale and participation in the COVID era. We recorded this episode over Zoom, and so we're basically taking the Zoom audio and putting it into our podcast format, so uh, wish us well. Good morning. It's Caitlin with the Cadillac Area Chamber of Commerce, and we're here on Chamber Radio to discuss some of the industry, economic, and trend topics of the hot moment. And today I'm here with Brad Ward. Hi, Brad. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine. How are you, Caitlin? Just wonderful. Super thankful to have your presentation on employee workforce last fall. And now that we're going through trends of COVID fatigue and workforce morale, I thought, well, we're going to have another conversation and hang out today. You flexible for that? Yeah, sounds good. And just so everyone knows, I'm here in uh, East Tennessee, even though I'm a Cadillac native. Uh, I do live in East Tennessee now, so no longer living in uh, where it's you know super cold and snowy. <laughs> well, a Cadillac grad, so you speak from the heart, and it's, it's fine. We're glad to still have your influence in the area. You're willing to share the information with us, and we won't harass you too bad, even though we got six inches this past weekend. Wow, we have zero snow here, so... <laughs> You're trying to run away, but we're keeping you. Well, Brad, thank you for taking the time to hang out with us. And I guess we can jump right into it. I reached out to you because workforce morale at this moment, it's on a roller coaster. There's a diversity of trends, thoughts, and it's given us a little bit of fatigue. But what are the trends that you're noticing with workforce morale these past six months? All right. So before looking at morale, I'd like to take a look at workforce participation in general. And I wanted to um, look at participation versus unemployment, which I thought was interesting. Uh, So first, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, labor participation is the percent of citizens of working age that are actually in the workforce. So in other words, they're, they, I hate to say they should be in the workforce, but they could be, but they're, they're basically like, I think I'm good. I don't really want to go to work. Um, I'm not interested in working how's, uh, where unemployment is more along the lines of, uh, these, uh, citizens are looking to go to work and they just can't find a job. So that's the difference. So for looking at labor participation, it's those that are just essentially choosing not to even look. Uh, so for men, the rate has declined. And since 2001 is basically the beginning uh, data for a lot of these statistics as far as voluntary quits go and labor participation. So 2001, we'll start, uh, start with. For men, the rates declined from 77% in 01 to 70% today. And for women, the rate has fallen from 61% to 58% today. So not as much of a decline for women, but uh, as far as men go, it's a 7% decrease since 2001. Additionally, employees voluntarily quitting their jobs is at the highest point since 2000. Uh, so long story short, there is less of the population working today versus 2001. And there's many reasons for this, namely COVID and baby boomer retirements. 
COVID has become a workplace hazard, especially for older workers. So many would rather stay home than work and consider early retirement. So um, retirement is uh, more appealing, obviously, if you're definitely if your age groups in the COVID hazard area, you might be more likely to quit or retire. COVID has also made it a challenge to commit to full-time work when schools can't shut down at a moment's notice, uh, especially for parents. So parents are maybe less likely to go to work if they just don't know if their kids are going to be in school or not, or if they're going to, you know, be sent home. Uh, Today, then I'd say that uncertainty is the major cause of decreasing workplace participation. Of course, there are other contributing factors such as government intervention, for example, unemployment benefits and so on. But I'd anecdotally say uncertainty, which impacts working professionals differently based on their phase of life and the type of work they do is one of the main drivers of workforce participation decline. Um, I find it interesting to compare what is happening now to the 07 through 09 recession which negatively impacted both the stock market and employment. Employers were desperately trying to get workers either to retire or quit. So we had the opposite problem. Employers were actually trying to get workers out of the workforce uh, because there was too many for the work that needed to be done, which is the opposite. Now we're trying to get workers to come back to work. Not surprising, the quit rate during the recession was at a low, so workers didn't want to quit compared to today. The main problem during the recession was that employees looking to retire couldn't because their 401ks were taking a beating. So the stock that they had invested in uh, was basically declining too much for them to retire. They then stayed in the workforce too long, if you will. Companies were offering buyouts or early retirement incentives to decrease their workforce sizes. Compare that to today and the script has flipped. Too many employees are retiring or quitting, in part due to COVID or uncertainty. So now we have too few employees to fill jobs versus the recession, where we had too many employees that didn't want to leave. So I know I'm rambling here. Do you want me to keep going or do you want to interject at all, Caitlin? I I got more to say, but that's I wanted to compare the 07 to 09 recession versus today, but um, I, I think now I can go more into the morale question. Okay, so I'll keep going. She's giving me a thumbs up on the screen. Okay, so now to your morale question, finally, after my long-winded trend uh, analysis there, according to the Society for Human Resource Management, two-thirds of employers say maintaining employee morale is a challenge. More specifically, the larger the company, the greater the morale issues, which I find interesting since larger companies have more resources available uh, to invest. Related to uncertainty employees are facing, 31% of employers are struggling to meet employee leave requests. And of course, this could be related again to needing time off for children not in school and so on. In higher education, which is where I work, I've noticed morale issues, especially tied to mask policy. Some professors want to teach totally online and have the strictest of mask policies. Others have the total opposite view, no mask and entirely face-to-face classes. And most professors are somewhere in between. So again, you have some extremes and then most people are somewhere in between on this spectrum. Workers and customers will have differing views of COVID policies and that can lead to morale problems. So I would see this just like the industry. I'd say many workers probably have different views on mask policy or having to work close to each other or whatever. And then of course, customers interacting with these companies will also have differing views. 
I think the larger lesson for us here is uh, think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Is the, I can't remember. Uh, I don't know if they still teach this today. I think they still teach this in school. And for those of us who need a refresher, shows that human beings have needs at various levels. Once needs at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy have met, the human being seeks needs that are higher up on the pyramid. The first need is physiological, the ability to predictively live, work, and pay the bills, for instance. The second need is to have a safe environment, both at home and work, where COVID, of course, is taking a toll here. And the following is the need to belong, having positive coworker relationships. I think we've seen this in the pandemic for sure, is that there is a need for people to have community together beyond the Zoom calls, but we also need Zoom so we can be more flexible. So it's uh, kind of a double-edged sword there. If all of these needs are taken care of, so the first three levels of Maslow's hierarchy, it's easier to, to improve morale as we get into the need for self-esteem. Uh, for example, making a, an employee feel as if their work matters and eventually self-actualizing an employee is able to continue to climb up the corporate ladder and achieve their personal goals, hopefully related to the business itself. So if we start at the bottom of Maslow's pyramid, people first need to feel safe and have a predictable living and working conditions met before caring about higher level needs. Due to all of the uncertainty, employees are more focused on the bottom level of the pyramid than let's say in 2020 or prior. Of course, employers are also struggling to make ends meet as well. I've noticed a decrease, for example, in tuition reimbursement offered by employers as they are unsure of profitability during, I hate, keep hating to say uncertain times, but that's just kind of what we have. This is just one perk I've seen dry up as of late. So bottom line, I would say uncertainty is the biggest uh, morale issue right now. And fixing uncertainty isn't even going to fix morale. It just is kind of the baseline. Like employees just want to feel certain about their work, but it doesn't necessarily pump them up like, hey, COVID's gone. We're pumped now. But this is just so this basic level need, it's more of a survival need that's not being met right now. And this is one of the biggest drivers of poor morale. And that's a really interesting perspective, especially as we're all nervous when things are unknown. So what are some other trends that you've noticed beyond COVID uncertainty issues and labor participation decline? All right, I'll go shorter this time. Uh, so em employers are well aware of employees wanting higher wages. So of course, uh, we're talking trends, employee, employees want higher wages. And, I, and this will continue being an issue is nearly half of US states are expecting increase increasing minimum wages this year. So about just under half of the U.S. states are going to increase their minimum wage or plan to. Plus, we already know that employees want higher wages uh, beyond this. So not only do we have supply and demand forcing employee wages higher. Uh, so in this case, employees have the upper hand when choosing jobs due to vacancies. But legislation will also impact what employees consider to be acceptable wages. So, of course, as the minimum wage goes up, employees will want, uh, depending on what they do for work, to go up even more in relation to that. And per usual, small businesses often take the biggest hit as large companies can afford to pay these wages compared to smaller businesses. Of course, in a, you know, in a perfect world, consumers would be willing to pay higher prices to help employers keep these wages higher, but that's just not how it goes. So the consumer dictates, of course, 
eventually at the end of the day, what employees are going to get paid. So they'll only pay so much for a product or service, even though oftentimes consumers will say, oh, I wish, you know, I'm all for employees making more money, but I'm also not going to spend the money to make that happen. I would like to note that wages fall into the lower level of Maslow's pyramid. Again, I'm going to reference Maslow. Managers cannot motivate employees, especially in the long term, by focusing on the bottom of the pyramid. So even if you pay employees what they want, or even more than that, that'll only be a short-term motivator. Employees will simply expect that wage. It's, uh, it's sad but true. Raising wages and adapting to employees' uh, demand. So employees are demanding to work more from home, for example, or be able to have at least part of their job at home. These definitely won't motivate. It's just becoming an expectation. Since all employers will have to adapt to wages and this work-life balance demands, employers cannot expect to motivate employees by providing for lower level needs. So long story short, employees are wanting more you know, pay, not, not necessarily time off, but the ability to work from home more, and they want higher wages. But fixing these issues or demands isn't necessarily going to motivate or increase morale. It's just to deal with these lower level needs. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but. Oh, I think all of us on a daily basis are experiencing family, friends that are basic needs. It's how we function. It's how we look at life. It's how we feel, like you said, that survival motor uncertainty. And COVID, that provided a lot of opportunity for us to see those experiences for one another. So what are, we have this uncertainty, now we have some of this fear, but what are your, some of your recommendations, your best tactics to build up and support this morale during the time in the light of these trends? All right. So back to the Society for Human Resource Management, uh, 33% of employers, uh, and by the way, these stats will be, after you hear so many, it's kind of, it's hard to remember what they all are. Um, but you can just remember the generalities here, but 33% of employers are offering additional paid leave or unpaid leave to employees. So this is something uh, companies are doing, uh, again, with the uncertainty and employees might be hesitant to go back to work if they know up front that the company is going to be flexible. They may be more likely to participate. It sounds bad, but it's like, you can't motivate with these either. It's like, you can get someone to be more likely to sign up to work if you will, but it won't be a motivator or a morale booster per se, but it is a way to get employees back in the workforce. Uh, again, the more the flexible the company is. In retail, 57% of companies are offering additional paid leave and 42% are offering paid leave. So 57% offering a, additional unpaid leave and 42% offering additional paid leave. All right, more stats, sorry. 75% uh, of businesses are allowing telecommuting or working from home or virtually in one form or another. I still don't know how manufacturing companies can implement telecommuting. They may have to do something more like flex scheduling or the ability uh, to work perhaps some core hours, but be able to flex around that due to demands. Um, again, manufacturing is probably going to be the hardest hit uh, because obviously for white collar workers in the office, it's easier to work for home. And if you're having to deal, be face to face with the customers or manufacturing, it's, you know, you can't telecommute manufacturing. Uh, you have to, there has to be another way around that. And I would say workplace flexibility. The larger the company, the more likely they are to provide mental health tools, i.e. mental health podcasts, books, or employee assistance programs. However, like I said before, this contrasts with employees having higher morale in smaller companies. So 
in general, the larger the company, the less the morale. And I think this is partly due to the fact that smaller companies' management can interact directly and more frequently with employees. So the larger the company, the more they're investing in resources to help the employees. But um, there's something to be said again about this interaction with management. For example, at the mom and pop shop level, personal relationships can be are more common and you can directly communicate uh, versus at a large company where it's more informal communication channels. So the larger, the larger the company, the more they're investing in mental health and uh, things like that, uh, like podcasts or books to give to their employees. But still, uh, the smaller the company, the more personable managers can be. So that is an advantage for smaller companies. Also, there's been calls for shorter or compressed work weeks. This helps with uncertainty. Of course, the fewer days in a work week, uh, the more. Like, so, for example, if you get sick and there's you're supposed to quarantine for five days, well, the few the fewer work weeks or the fewer days in a work week, the less likely you are to m- miss those weeks. And of course, that can be beneficial for employers because you don't have to have all of the electricity and all of the uh, energy usage for you know however many days a week that you're open if you compress that into fewer days. And this was becoming popular before the pandemic, the compressed work week option. And I would say even amongst uh, more of like the millennial and Gen Zers, they see the five-day work week as more of a 1960s where you work to live versus live to work. And so this five-day work week, and again, it just depends on the type of company you have, but living to work versus working to live. If you work to live, of course, you're going to expect more time outside of work, the ability to zoom in for not to say non-essentials, but for some meetings and things like that versus always having to be present at your office or what have you. So compressed work week, and then some of the tools to provide for mental health, telecommuting and unpaid uh, leave. So yeah, all of these things that I just mentioned, they're not necessarily motivators, but they do give more, they bring more certainty to the workplace. So you might be able to recruit in the short term, but it, they're not going to necessarily motivate or improve morale in the long term. And there's a lot to process with that. So what are the resources and partnerships that our employers can utilize that are interested in building up this workforce morale in the businesses? They're hearing what you're saying in these comments. They're hearing the data that you're sharing. Where should they start? All right. So I'm a huge fan of, uh, of course, local establishments like the Chamber. They're a great place to start. Uh, you know, Managers from different companies or business owners can come together and share ideas. So that's a great place to start. In Johnson City, uh, Tennessee, where I work, uh, we have a nonprofit called Founders Forge, and they exist to help the, they actually say they exist to help the underdog entrepreneur in small businesses, especially. So they have local, they have multiple meetings a month. It's more entrepreneurial, but entrepreneurs can come and share their struggles and it's a place where they can work through their issues. Um, so business owners and managers, the more they can share what's working, it doesn't have to be, you know, a super competitive, like, Hey, we're doing this. Therefore let's keep it a secret, but everyone helping each other can help everyone. Um, especially if you're in different industries, of course. So this Founders Forge uh, here, plus we have a Chambers uh, as well. So uh, the more people can meet and kind of work through their issues, um, that's a good thing. There's all, there are also societies out there. Uh, for example, the Society for Human Resource Management, where I pulled most of my statistics from. However, I've never personally had much success with societies or academic 
societies, if you will, they always seem arm's length and they all have publications, which are good. So if you belong to a society or something, you might get like a monthly publication. So that's at least gives you a resource, but it's definitely not personable unless you go travel or something to a big convention or something. And so again, at least you can get resources that way. The Society for Resource Society for Human Resource Management is one of the largest ones out there. Again, it just depends how much interaction you personally need. Textbook wise, so there's uh, one textbook that changed my life. Uh, again, I'm a professor. So one that changed my life uh, was Fundamentals of Management, I believe is what it's called by Pearson. And you can get older versions of it. But there's Principles of Management and Organizational Behavior textbooks. They go all in on what we're talking about right now. It's essentially employee psychology, what motivates employees, what good management looks like. And you can get additions that are a couple back that don't have necessarily up-to-date examples, but you can get these extremely cheap under $10. So any textbook in the organizational behavior or principles of management realm um, is a good place to start. Um, also, I've written a book. It's shameless self-promotion time, the motivated worker, a manager's guide to improving job satisfaction. I don't know if there's any left at horizon books. I left some there when I was up visiting last uh, August, or it's available on many online retailers. So if you Amazon, if you're trying to dodge Amazon, it's on other ones, uh, but I get, I focus a lot on these morale issues as well. Uh, just some options for your, uh, for everyone. And if you're interested in connecting with industry committee meetings similar to the Foundations Forge here in Cadillac, then reach out to us. Uh, we do have some industry committee meetings that either meet monthly or bi-monthly, as well as our partnerships with SBDC and SCORE for our entrepreneurial work and resources in our area. So if those are things you're interested in in our local area, info at Cadillac.org. Brad, this information is incredibly helpful. It's something impacting our daily workday. How can we connect with you for more information? All right. Um, so I have, I do have a website called business sense with brad.com. There's a form you, if you want to uh, email me through that, that's one way uh, on the website, I have a blog and then also links to my podcast. So I also have a podcast called business sense with Brad. You can find it on any of the podcast apps out there. Um, but the website I do have, uh, you can email me directly or the uh, podcast. I usually post an episode every couple of weeks and I interview guests kind of like what we're doing here. And also I'll find experts in the field or people that have studied uh, management theory for uh, quite some time. Uh, we cover everything from cryptocurrency to uh, how to influence employees on there. And that's really uh, the best way to get a hold of me. Brad, this has been incredibly helpful. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us today and share this relative information. We love sharing your blogs and your podcasts with our newsletter. This is something that is just an ongoing conversation with the workforce across the nation, but here in Cadillac as well. Thank you for taking the time to do this and hanging out with us today. All right. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, Brad. Have a wonderful day. After listening back to the interview, it sounded like I used the word personably. Although this is probably not a word, who are we to judge how words are formed? This concludes my interview with the Cadillac, Michigan Area Chamber of Commerce, in which we talked about the trends that are impacting labor participation and morale in the COVID era. We even threw a little Abraham Maslow in the mix. If you are interested in topics similar to this, please follow Business Sense with Brad on your favorite podcast app.